0: I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and please turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel is the first book of the New Testament. In our congregation in Wales, we have been, uh, it's been our privilege to study and preach through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we have recently touched upon the 11th chapter of and in this chapter, we see many remarkable things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning the ministry of his forerunner, John the Baptist, concerning the rejection of his message by these cities in which he has ministered, but also these great words of consolation, these great words of invitation, the words, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's word, chapter 11, Matthew's Gospel. When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has an ear, he who has ears to hear, Let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses, is light. May the blessing of God remain upon the reading of His Word. Let us go to Him in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this glorious passage of Scripture. And we are reminded by this very reading of our need for you to reveal yourself to us. O oh Lord, we confess our dependence upon you. We confess that. We are weak and weary. We are heavy laden. And so, O Lord, we pray that you would minister to each of your sheep in the place of their need. O Lord, would you grant the gift of your Holy Spirit. May you reveal yourself to us in your dear and precious Son. In his name we pray. Amen. The previous chapter of... Scripture preceding chapter 11 was the sending out of the disciples to proclaim the kingdom of God, to enter into the ministry of their master, Jesus Christ. And this chapter not only reinforces the significance of Jesus' ministry, but it actually turns the spotlight not only upon Jesus and his preaching and his teaching and his miracle working, but it places the spotlight upon the hearts and the responses of those who heard Jesus Christ. Indeed, we could say that this chapter puts the spotlight this morning even on our own hearts, on our own response to Jesus Christ Here we see that Jesus' ministry is of such a kind that it demands verdict. It requires decision, absolute reception, or absolute rejection. And we find that there can be no teetering between two opinions. We're reminded of the ministry of Elijah, In the days in which Israel teetered between serving the Lord with the whole heart and following the Baals, Elijah said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. It is as though Matthew is saying, If Jesus, the Lord, is God, then follow him, receive him, gladly, and follow him. But if not, follow the idols of your heart. Indeed, Jesus' ministry demands a decision. There are several here in this chapter who will have to decide. John the Baptist, lingering in his prison cell, must come to verdict. Who is Jesus Christ? The Galilean cities that have seen Jesus preach and seen his ministry must decide. But this chapter ends with an invitation for all of us who hear his voice this day to decide to follow Jesus Christ as well. We find that his decision, this decision rests in the gracious will of the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who hides these things from the wise and understanding, but reveals them to his children who are lowly and humble in heart. First of all, we see that from verses 1 through 19 that John the Baptist was looking for the Father. And in 20 through 24, these Galilean cities were actually looking away from the son. But in verses 25 through 30, the invitation is for us today to find the father in the son. So first of all, John the Baptist was looking for the father verses 1 through 19. Jesus' ministry demands a decision, but like many things in life, we sometimes put off making decisions because we think that there's more information to come. We think we need to wait and watch and observe and study and analyze and then come to a decision. But the question for John and the question for those who saw the ministry of Jesus Christ is what more could God say than to you he has said? What more information did they need? What more evidence? Did they need that Jesus is the Christ? Jesus came as the preacher of righteousness. He alone has the words of eternal life. His very voice was able to command the winds and the waves, obeying the voice of the Creator. He healed the sick. He cast out the demon. He raised the dead. But in verses 1 through 19, we read about John the Baptist whose vision has been distracted. He once was able to perceive without doubt or without hesitation Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But now these bars in his cell are obscuring his perspective. He's looking for the Father, and he is wondering, is this the Son in whom the Father is found? We see a man who is brought low after enjoying high expectation. We see him disappointed, perhaps even on the edge of disillusionment. Here was a man, a righteous man, looking for the kingdom of God, preparing and disciplining himself, and leading a whole nation into repentance. He was preparing for the biggest thing that God had ever done to rescue his people. And he wondered now, in his prison cell, was this the biggest thing that God had ever done? Did he miss something? Many of us can enter into sympathy with John the Baptist. We in our lives know that Jesus is the Lord. We know, we've heard of the great things about Jesus Christ, but there's some temporal suffering. There's something obscuring our faith. John had to look through the bars to find the Father, in the sun. Jesus gives him that reassurance. Jesus treats him kindly. He says, Go, tell John what you see and what you hear. The darkness and loneliness of the prison cell made things seem different. And sometimes our own sufferings can make things seem different. How does God Respond to one whose faith, whose sight is obscured in the midst of trouble. We see the wonderful mercy, the wonderful tenderness, the wonderful compassion and patience of our Savior with all who have a sincere faith and yet doubt. He gives us more reason to believe, more reason to look past, What's obscuring our sight in the here and now? John does not criticize John. Uh, Jesus does not criticize John. He doesn't break a bruised we uh, read or quench the smoldering wick. Jesus rather invites downcast souls to look beyond the horizon of what they are suffering today, to find the work that the Father is yet doing in the world. Where is the Father at work? He is at work in the Son. John may be in prison, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. This was also the great hope of the apostles, that though they were imprisoned, our enemy could never imprison the forward march of the work of the Son of God, that his message still brings hope. His message still gives us comfort even in the midst of great difficulty and suffering. Verse 5, we see Jesus is the evidence that the Father is still at work today. If you are looking for God, if you are looking for God the Father, look to the Son. He directed John the Baptist, this man of lowly and downcast spirit, to find the work of the Father in Jesus Christ. And so if your heart is like John this morning, downcast, your vision is clouded, Jesus offers this invitation. Look through it to the work of the Father in Jesus Christ. Our circumstances and comforts may change for the worse, but God's work continues on in Jesus Christ. In verse 12, we see this verse. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. No matter how this verse is translated, It indicates that if you are a member of the kingdom of God, it will involve great struggle for you. John, in his own experience, knew that great struggle of the kingdom of God. Not everyone is looking for the Father. There are some pushing the Father away. And those pursuing God will find themselves at odds with those running from God. And in verse 16 through 19, we see that beginning of the opposition, not only to John, but that continuation of opposition to Jesus Christ. Have you ever had a conversation with a person with whom you could just never win? Uh, You would argue one side and then they would argue the other. And then you would argue that side, and then they would argue back. Here he says in verse 17, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. Okay, we sang a happy song, and you didn't dance. Uh, We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. Okay, we sang a sad song, and you did not mourn. It didn't matter the manner in which the message of God's, uh, God's message was preached there was a determination to reject it on the part of those uh, rejecting the Father. Isaiah talked about this condition in chapter 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. John had to come to decision. He must know that in pursuing the Father, he should expect opposition. He should expect such disappointments. And yet, to be open to the gentle reason, the gentle persuasion of Jesus Christ, he must be open to the sweet assurances that God gives to downcast, doubting souls. Decide for Christ. Decide that there is no hope for people who abandon their only hope. John's only hope in prison was still the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your only hope in whatever trial, whatever disillusionment, whatever suffering is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Receive the ministry of Jesus Christ. Receive His sweet assurances today that the Father is still at work in your life through the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you, But sadly, we see that many look away from the son and his assurances in verses 20 through 24, that these cities of Galilee looked away from the son. When Jesus commissioned his 12 disciples to preach the gospel, he told them in 10 verse 4, If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Here we learn the true testimony of God's word that there are grave consequences to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet rejecting it in disbelief, seeing the Son but looking away from him. Though John had momentarily lost confidence, as his circumstances grew worse, he was nevertheless still looking for the Father. And Jesus responded to such a one with tender mercies and compassions. And he does not break the bruised reed. He does not quench the burning flax. He assured him. But the cities whom Jesus denounces are not like John. They were not looking for the Father. And when they saw the Father in the Son, they looked away in rejection. For such ones, Jesus has woe. In verse 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For what cause does the Son of God decry the peril of these souls. The mighty works done in their midst is the evidence of the Father's work among them. The mighty works were evidences that now God has brought the day of salvation, the day to turn, to believe, to repent. But now those works which stood as evidence of God's open arms to receive all who would come to Him. Now those works stand as testimony against them in the day of judgment. Every work of the Father in the Son is a mighty work of redemption. The cross of Christ is such a sign. It is the preeminent sign that God has done what is impossible for man to save the soul's To ransom the captive. To make us free in Christ. These signs of the cross and the resurrection inspire the faith of all God's children. They lift our hearts heavenward and they encourage us as God's children to lay hold on heaven itself and to say, Jesus has earned that for me. But these same signs become a sign of judgment against all who harden their hearts in disbelief. The soul who sees the work of the Father in the Son of God, God dying on the cross, God rising again, but then looks away, either through rejection, either through ignoring Him, actually makes his condemnation worse. In verse 21, Tyre and Sidon did not enjoy the privilege of Jesus' ministry. There was less light for them to see. These towns of Galilee have enjoyed the full blast of the Father's glory. In Jesus Christ. Sodom. Verse 23. Stands as the great example. Of civic wickedness. The manifestation of the severity of God's wrath. Yet Capernaum's guilt. Is yet greater. For the rejection. Of Christ. This is. The sin of sins. This is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, to ignore the clear testimony of God's work in the Son of God, to reject that hope who is our only hope. And those of us who have grown up in a Christian family, who have a church background, who have seen much gospel light in hearing biblical sermons, reading the Bible, living in a nation whose heritage is a christian heritage we know that in our own nation like these cities of galilee the glory of god the father has shone forth in the preaching of jesus christ god visited galilee god has visited us the father has visited you with his light don't look away do not Look away from the Son. Embrace the Son. And you will find a Father who has loved you with an everlasting love. And finally, we find that great truth of finding the Father in the Son in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Here we find two glorious truths about our salvation. First of all, in verses 25 through 27, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. The Father is delighted to reveal Himself in His Son. If we wish to know the Father's heart for you, you may find the Father's heart in the Son of God, who is in the bosom of the Father from all eternity. God is completely in control of bringing a sinner to become a son. It is his loving purpose to draw us to himself by simply opening up our eyes to see how wonderful his son is and how wonderful his salvation is. And if we could really see Jesus for who he is, we would be be drawn to him irresistibly. That's the Father's delight, to open up our eyes to see the Son. And secondly, we see the other side of God's salvation in verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The first verses showed us the personal decision of the Father. These verses show us the personal decision of the believer. We must decide to look to the Son. It is your responsibility to look to Christ and be saved. No one can do it for you. You must do it from the heart To believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And to confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead. To reach this glorious verdict. In verse 25, God has hidden these very things from those who are in their own pride. Prevented from seeing the Son of God. Those who believe themselves to be wise and understanding and too sophisticated for these things. What we, should mean, what we should understand this to mean is that God resists those who are proud. And if there is anything lifted up in our hearts, may it be made as level as the plains, that we may not be disqualified for grace by a proud heart. But to know that God comes near in grace to the humble. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This pride is not only intellectual, thinking that this gospel is too out of touch with the modern world, but it's also a pride of the heart. Anything which keeps one from coming in simple trust to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that there is a sin in your life that is too great for Jesus? To lift it off of you. Jesus would free you from such pride even this morning. Let nothing encumber you, but cast all weights aside and run the race set before you in Jesus Christ. The only thing we need is to admit our failure. To admit our great need of God. Indeed, to own our spiritual desperation before God. God the Father reveals Himself to little children. Jesus delights in this goodness and this wisdom of His Father. Nothing brought Jesus more joy than to exalt His Father's plan. In giving grace to such who come to Him like this. Now, if this plan of salvation does not strip you of all pride, if, of all objections, if it does not thrill your soul to magnify God as it thrilled the soul of Jesus Christ, nothing ever will. In verse 27, God's majesty in salvation has no limit. It's like a mountain that you keep looking up, but you can never find its peak. It's like an ocean you look across, but you can never find the shore. The Father has handed all things into the hands of His Son. He entrusted to the Son the sacred task of going heart by heart Eye by eye, I will open up this blind eye. I will unlock this hardened heart. That when we first awaken by faith, the first thing we see is the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ, the Son. Every way that God revealed himself before Jesus was in some way limited. But now we have the fullness of of the revelation of God. The God and Father who alone can fill every heart's longing. Who can bring refreshment to every thirsty soul. This God, the God of limitless glory, says in His Son, Come, rest. Take up the yoke of Jesus Christ. Find rest for your soul in this Son of God. Dear Christian, dear friend, find the Father in the Son. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for revealing to us not what we deserved, but what we did not deserve, the love with which you have loved us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that even doubts and disillusionments may not prevent us from seeing that you are yet at work in the gospel of your Son. And, O Lord, would you make us humble before you. May there be nothing uh, to prevent us from coming to you in full acknowledgement that we need the work of your Son. Thank you for sending him, and thank you for opening our eyes that we might have fellowship with you both now and forever. In Jesus' name.